0: It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis.
1: And I'm Sky David.
0: It's the last weekend before Election Day on Tuesday.
1: That's right. Early voting ends on Saturday, and then primary election day is Tuesday.
0: Less than a day after the polls close on Tuesday, we will be back in session, but we did get word this week that they're really not going to take up any business until the following week, and that is a good idea, seeing how a lot of folks are going to come back with their feelings hurt the day after the election. But when they do come back, we know that they're going to start working on the budget, and we got some revenue numbers this week, Sky.
1: Continuing the trend, as has been in recent years, we have a lot of money in the state.
0: About $4.2 billion in surplus. Now, put this into a little context. Last year, we were looking at about $6.5 billion, which was historical.
1: So with last year's budget, there were a ton of capital projects, so buildings, things like that transportation, and because of inflation, and the supply problems that we've had, some of that budget money this year is going to have to be to supply those projects that were from last year because things cost more now.
0: A lot of this is one-time money, so you really need to be careful as well how you budget this money. You don't want to commit long-term expenses with one-time money.
1: This came out on Monday, and on Wednesday, Governor Cooper had some ideas for how to spend that money.
0: He had a lot of ideas.
1: He wanted to increase the spending from the two-year budget by $2.3 billion. So that's about 8.5% of the total state budget.
0: And when we say he wants to increase it by that amount, he wants this baked in every year. He's not saying just spend this one time. He would like to see the baseline recurring budget grow to this level. I think he's going to get a little pushback from the General Assembly there.
1: Yeah, so a couple of things that the Republican-led General Assembly has done year after year with our additional revenue is one, put money in the rainy day fund, and two, work on tax cuts. Neither of those things were in Governor Cooper's plan.
0: Yeah, he has about half a billion dollars that he wants to put into remedying the Leandro lawsuit. He wants to double the state employee pay raise that's out there. General Assembly put aside 2.5% last year, 2.5% this year. Going into this year, Governor Cooper would like to just double that to 5%. I think the General Assembly would agree a lot of meritorious priorities the governor's put forward. But I just don't see the General Assembly really wanting to spend its entire surplus on some of these recurring expenses. That's where the rub's going to be.
1: The thing about this is, and we talked about this last year with budget numbers, the governor's budget has always been idealized. It is monopoly money, if you will. It's not the actual spending plan. And a lot of people, even when Governor McCrory was there, said they just used the governor's budget as a doorstopper.
0: So as we said, early voting is happening right now. And in the past few podcasts, we've predicted that maybe that would be low voter turnout. That is really not the case.
1: It's definitely not. So we're recording this on Thursday. So through Wednesday, there have been about 370,000 ballots turned in.
0: So while Democrats and Republicans, they seem to be coming out in equal numbers, Unaffiliated. Man, they are really coming out, and it looks as if they are pulling a Republican ballot by a two-to-one margin.
1: That's right. What's interesting is Dr. Michael Bitzer has been running some threads every day as far as who's out, where those votes are. And in the 11th district that we're all watching, the Madison Cawthorn district, it looks like unaffiliateds are pulling a Republican ballot 72% of the time. Wow.
0: And there is a campaign out there, right, to get unaffiliateds to pull a Republican ballot and to vote for anyone but Madison Cawthorn. And while that is a concentrated campaign in the 11th district, I think unaffiliateds are pulling a Republican ballot statewide because for the most part, it appears that Democrats have already got their nominee for the Senate. Maybe there's this contentious race down here in the 13th district. But all in all, for the most part, Democrats seem to have their nominees slated for November. So I believe unaffiliated are just pulling a Republican ballot because that's where the race is.
1: It'll be interesting to see the effect of those unaffiliated voters on that overall primary, though.
0: I agree, because if you look at the messaging that has come out of Ted Budd's campaign, it is red meat Republican messaging. Same with Bo Hines and, of course, Madison Cawthorn. You have a different electorate when unaffiliated vote. One person to watch on Tuesday is Pat McCrory he could do well with unaffiliated voters. I'm not saying it's enough to close that gap. I think we were looking at a 10 to 12 point gap with Ted Budd, but certainly he is going to benefit by having more unaffiliated voters than those Republican voters.
1: One of the other things that I think is really interesting about these early voting numbers is that when we talk about primaries, we always talk about the base. You pull out your base, the number one way to know how primaries are gonna go and who's coming out to vote is who has voted in primaries in the past. But this year, that is incredibly different because one reason is that all the folks that are moving to North Carolina are now pulling unaffiliated ballots or they're pulling ballots in general. And only 28% of the total votes in the primary election right now have voted in primary elections since 2012. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, this has got to have a lot of political operatives scratching their heads. So let me ask you this. What is the race that you are really looking for on Tuesday night?
1: I think you have to go with Senator Deanna Ballard and Senator Ralph Heiss.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a slugfest. What about you? For me, it'll be the Senator Kirk DeVier. And Val Applewhite down in Fayetteville. So much on the line with that race. Can Governor Cooper get Val Applewhite over the finish line? Can Kirk DeVier hold on? Polling is showing that that is going to go down to the wire. Yeah. And I think unaffiliated voters are going to help Senator DeVier. Word is, is that they're breaking to him. In voting.
1: Session starts next week, so we thought it would be fun to sit down with a bipartisan, bicameral pair of legislators to talk about the upcoming session. So we had Representative John Bell and Senator Jay Chaudhary on this week. Representative John Bell and Senator Jay Chodery, we are going to do a preview of the session with two folks who have been on the podcast before. Welcome back.
2: It's nice to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's great being with y'all.
0: The short session begins May 18th. What is the short session for maybe our listeners who don't really understand why we're coming back after we've already written a budget? We just had a 15-month long session. What is the purpose of the short session?
3: Yeah, I was trying to remember if the long session was over yet. (laughs) It was like just yesterday, we were back. But no, the the whole purpose of the short session is the state runs on a in budget, is to come in in that second year and do tweaks to the spending plan as we move forward.
0: We have heard from the leadership in both the Senate and the House that this year they think it will be a true short session. Is that the case?
3: Well, well, my friend here is an attorney, so, so we, have to, we have to define long. It's not a long. contract. <laughs> we have to define long and short. What are those definitions? Uh, no, but the, the whole, whole intent this year is to actually have a short session. Okay. Uh, legislators really put a lot of time and energy and effort into the long session. It was the longest long session in history. Uh, we put forth a bipartisan budget that, that has been very popular, and uh, we feel like we did a good job there. It looks like we're going to have an additional surplus coming in. From, from this year's returns that have come in and so the goal is to get in, do some tweaks, you'll probably see some 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 local issues, some issues that were left outstanding be resolved and let's move forward and the goal will be be out of session by the 4th of July.
0: Senator Choder, you're the whip over in the Senate for the Democratic Caucus. How are you preparing your caucus?
2: Well. First of all, I think there's complete unanimity in the Senate that the reason that we're in session so long is because of the House, not the Senate. At least that's, <laughs> what, uh, that, that, that's, that's what Bill Raven, that's what Bill exact the said. the same thing like. in, this, in the House. We believe it's all the Senate's <laughs> fault. Um, I had to say that. So I think, you know, on the Democratic side, as we go into session, I think the expectations are similar to what uh, Majority Leader Bill talked about, that there will be tweaks, but um, there can be surprises sometimes. I think, uh, I think there's a really <clears throat> interesting and open uh, discussion. Maybe majority bill wants to shed some insight on this about you know, what does the governing majority decide it wants to do in light of the Supreme Court leak from this Sunday uh but you know I, I think outside of maybe social issues that could animate both sides of the base um i think the focus will be primarily on the budget i mean i think there are a couple of other issues that we know i think is going to get some attention i think one is on um medical marijuana legalization which uh, i think will probably garner a fair amount of attention early in session and then the other one is obviously the work of the uh the committee that's focusing on Medicaid expansion. So, I mean, I think those are those are pretty significant issues, I think, for uh, the chamber to take up a, in addition to the, the biennium budget, second year of the biennium budget.
1: So Representative Bell, in light of what Senator Chaudhary just said, what are some of the big bucket issues that you do expect that both chambers will tackle this session?
3: Well, the budget and spending plan is, is number one, first and foremost. So we already have um, appropriation chairs already working together. Um, both House and Senate chairs have been navigating through that process, looking at um, projections coming back on, on on what type of funding we'll have available. We also have a, a major issue due to inflation. We, we put forth a, a a really good budget that had a tremendous amount of capital projects in there, and now those projects are starting to to go out and realize that they're short dollars because of the inflation and construction costs and labor, et cetera. So we have to address those, and then you will find out what what funding is left over and how we move forward, can we do raises, is it going to be bonuses? I, I don't know the answer to that, but those are discussions we'll have. And it'll be policy discussions. Um, we, we, we've not had any of the um, medical marijuana issues uh, come over to our chamber yet, so we're watching that one. Uh, we are watching what the United States Supreme Court does in, in line of the leak to happen and you know, how that plays out and, and what we will be responsible for doing moving forward, whether it's in the short session or whether it's in the, the long session next year. We're also looking at, um, you saw sports betting starting to move through the General Assembly. Uh, I think every lobbyist in the state has a VLT <laughs> client and how that plays out. And there's also some, some pending court cases out there that we want to watch and we have to be prepared to act when that happens. And um, the, the issue that is probably, um, first and foremost, one of the issues we'll, we'll address when we get into session is what do we do with the issue that has been brought up with the. Um, um, the sunset of the hemp program here in the state of North Carolina and if we do not act before July 1st we have a major uh, well actually a major closure of a lot of CBD and hemp entries here in the state uh, which could put a lot of farmers and business leaders in a buying so I know work's being done on that so I think it's one of the first issues you'll see move as we come into session. And Then there'll be members that have local issues each one of us have local issues that we need to address to local bills there'll be bills that um, got stalled out in the in the long session and can't move forward in the short session so It's it's my hope by the timeline that we have, a lot of those bills should be filed before we even walk in the door, and so we can go ahead and start moving forward on that one. And the committee chairs have already been notified to, hey, let's hit the ground running on May the 18th and and, and not wait to two or three weeks later
1: based on how many issues you just listed you would definitely have to hit the ground running
3: yes yeah, so that's why i think we need to figure out the definition of long and short <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if you're there
1: past july 4th blame john bell he's he promised july 4th
3: well i, I hope july 4th I've, I've learned that a lot of hopes and dreams and promises get broken <laughs> in the assembly. It, it would be nice for the first time to actually have a session uh, that ends uh, in july we can actually have a little bit of summer vacation for the kids and stuff to go back to yeah. school
0: so both of you have children in the home. Leader Bell, you have a daughter, a son and daughter, Senator Jody. Mm-hmm. It must be very difficult to manage your family life, not to mention you both have day jobs. The short session, what do you tell your employer? What do you tell your kids when you're leaving for session?
2: Well, I... Um jokingly always put the responsibility on the governing majority and <laughs> now 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 I'm gonna pull up a photo of majority leader John Bell and show it to my kids and say look this guy's responsible for us not having it's his fault. summer <laughs> vacation uh, no but but in all seriously um, in all seriousness we have come to the conclusion as a family that we will not take vacation in June and July when we plan vacations I mean we really look at it during the first week or two of August but they also know that can be in jeopardy too but that's just the reality of it I mean yeah, you know, my 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 hope in trying to decide the calendar and the long session, I'm, I'm sure Majority Leader Bell would be with me on this. Is uh, well, and you all did this in the House, actually. We didn't do this in the Senate. Is to actually identify some weeks that we get off, um, especially for spring break and even um, even summer break. Because I just you know it, it's it's hard. It's it hard, to, hard. It's hard for kids not to be able to take that vacation.
1: Yeah.
3: So my daughter was born into this. Uh, she okay. was actually born when I was serving in the General Assembly. And so, so this is nothing out of ordinary for her. You know, she knows daddy goes to Raleigh. As a matter of fact, if we're on video, I will show you a video of her when she was two, walking down the hallway. I was like, what are you doing? She goes, I'm going to Raleigh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so, so so she's used to it. Uh, I'm, I'm blessed that I live close enough to Raleigh that I can go home at night. A lot of our members do not have that luxury. Yeah. And so I definitely take advantage of that one. Um, same same thing as we, we, can we talk do about with this. Senator. We, yep. You know, I, I try to end up. when um, We schedule our vacations or trips. We do them at the end of August. I try to get them in before she goes back to school. People forget that it's actually three jobs when you come to Raleigh. You have the legislative part. You've also got the campaigning part, and then you know, with, with us in leadership, you have the leadership responsibility you have to do. So, uh, so even. People say, well, aren't you glad you don't have an opponent this year? I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad, but I still have to travel to the state and help other members out, and I've still got to make sure we run campaigns across the state because even though we're friends, we're on different teams, and Jay wants his team to win. Yeah. I want my team to win. Mm-hmm. And, and then at the end of the day, we've got to put that down and go and be legislators and legislate the process. So uh, so it's, it's it's a full-time job. My employer is, is very flexible, but I also have to answer them as well and make sure they get the job done there. So a lot of late nights, early mornings when we're in session, but um, – I just hope it's a short session.
0: I do too.
1: My question for both of y'all is, what is one thing you've been doing while on break that you are not able to do while in session?
2: I mean, I guess I should have been doing this earlier in session. I mean, part part of being in leadership, obviously, is raising money. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think of, I think another thing that I've been able to do, honestly, which is, <laughs> kind of been nice and it's it's a reminder i mean i think when you're in leadership because you're so in the game like you're not able to step away and kind of appreciate why you serve um but i've you know we've been looking at a number of bill ideas a lot of them bipartisan a lot of them looking at focusing on the district i think having a little bit of time away to step back and think about why you're serving and what are the policies that you want to carry out to improve your senate district i mean i've I've spent some time doing that um I've been actually working
3: yeah mm-hmm. and so f- focusing on day in and day out of other of business and opportunities that we have with our company of a growing growing companies and being able to be more involved in, in those in the day-to-day operations I also I get a chance to travel the state and, and instead of me going to a member's office and having a conversation or coming to mind I actually going through a district now
1: mm-hmm. okay what's your favorite district to go to that's not your own district
3: The one next door to me, which is Jimmy Dixon's, because that's where my mama
1: lives.
0: (laughs) One of the reasons I feel we got a budget so late was that there was a lot of negotiation, Leader Bell, that Republicans did with Democrats. Both of you voted for the final budget. Wasn't the case in those first drafts. But at the end, we seem to have come to a good place. And then, of course, Governor Cooper signed the budget. Can you talk about kind of the mindset that Republicans had in those negotiations? Why was it so important to have a bipartisan budget? And then do you see that as a a roadmap moving forward, maybe even in the short session, to work with Democrats to get some buy in?
3: Well, we we, want to get a budget done. You know, it had been three years before we had a new spending plan and and, and saying we didn't have a budget, we, we had a state budget. We did some tweaking and some, some what we called mini budgets to update mm-hmm. some of the spending plan. But to have a new spending plan for the state was something that we frankly hadn't had in place for three years. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I believe that all parties, both Republicans, Democrats, the governor, came into this session saying, look, we want to work together. We want to get a budget for the citizens of the state. It's our responsibility to do that. And uh, it's probably going to be painful. Yeah. And, and it was. It, it was a long period of time but we got to a good place. The other issue we had, which we've never had before, is just the sheer amount of funding that was available. Right. And so we saw a lot of members, and, and you know, each one of us have a list of projects in our community that we'd like to see done and how we navigate through. And, and when you're looking at the sheer amount of funding that came in from the, the federal government, and uh, you know, what, what we're doing here with the surplus here in the state, it was an opportunity to really go after that. And so um, you were able to, will, I guess, will and deal a lot about you know, how can we move forward, what can we do with one-time funding, recurring funding, how do we navigate through that, what projects are on the list, what projects are off the list. You, know, you also didn't have a new spending plan in three years, so you had that money coming back in. So it was just a large amount of money. And you could find a way to get pretty much everybody on board. And uh, there, even with as large a budget as we've had, with a lot of good stuff in it, there, there's things in there I particularly didn't like, things in there I loved. But um, but it was neat to work together on it and then every month it went longer. We had more dollars to work <laughs> right. with and so it just kept on going further and further. As you remember tax, um, tax mm-hmm. returns were delayed for a period yeah. of time and so here it is we, we get to a point where okay, we have something Well, now, now now we've got more funding we, we, we can actually work with. So, um, so it, it was an incredible process. I don't know if we'll ever see that a major amount of funding ever again. But but it did show that, that, that we can all work together and we can do something good for the state.
0: Senator, kind of a tweak on that question for you. You went from concerned about the budget to actually voting mm-hmm. for the budget. I know it wasn't a perfect document, but can you talk about what got you there to, to actually support the budget at the end? It's really difficult not to be able to come to an agreement on a budget
2: when you have that much money. Now, mm-hmm. my, my running joke, I'm going to poke fun here with Leader Bell, is that we have congressional Democrats to – Thank for the fact that we got so much money from the pandemic. Um, but, you know, that that amount of money, I think, allowed for significant investments, a lot of it bipartisan, you know, especially on rural broadband access, for example, um, infrastructure investment, things that I think that have been long overdue. I think the budget reflects those priorities. And fortunately, it was those kind of investments, I think, that ultimately drove Democrats and Republicans to come together. I mean, you know, on my, my side, I'm not thrilled about some of the things that we had to vote for, but... You know, a compromise budget is, is a compromise budget where both sides aren't thrilled about voting for um, some of the things that may turn them off.
1: What is an under-the-radar issue that you think maybe won't pass this year but will be brought up and discussed?
3: That's a loaded question. Because yeah, <laughs> it could That's, change by tomorrow. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
3: I think the VLT issue is something I, I don't see getting passed this year. And what is VLT? is it video lottery terminal oh that's right
1: how will we know what that means (laughs) don't you have a client no
3: everybody else has a client
1: yeah well sorry that we're losers (laughs) sorry
0: (laughs) we also don't have duke energy and everyone else has duke
1: energy (laughs) (laughs) i thought you said blt earlier and i was like bacon lettuce can you fix
0: that in the deli
2: you can get a good blt down at the snack bar you really can (laughs)
3: i don't know what to say about that <laughs> um, you know so so the vlt video lottery terminals not okay. the blt which are delicious <laughs>
1: <laughs> this segment is sponsored by <laughs> general <Mayonnaise>. assembly <laughs> <laughs> snack park no
3: north carolina farmers yeah there you go. <laughs> there you go. now um the video lottery terminal the d- 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 debate on what to do with that we've seen a number of court cases come up with the sweepstakes parlors and are they legal? Are they not legal? Uh, do we do we look at alternative forms of uh, how to generate revenue for education? That's a very interesting discussion. I don't see that passing this year. Uh, I know in talks that we've had before, there's there's issues in both chambers on on where that goes and how that goes. I, I know in conversations we've had with the executive branch, the governor has some concern about how that played out. And but but it is a discussion, and we're seeing a a number of entities wanting to operate here in the state and how do we regulate that accordingly so uh, because right now it's kind of the wild wild west and and it's it's going to be with us it's here to stay i don't think we'll get solved in a short session but it's definitely going to be discussed and picked up in a long session
1: senator
2: i I think sky um you know the the hunt lee report just came out on a Mm -hmm. number of education recommendations i you know was joking with senator michael lee that he's not the Lee that's named after in that report but uh you know he he get he and senator davis deserve a lot of credit um for putting together i think a great set of recommendations and um and there are a number of recommendations there but i think one that's worth lifting and we have an early childhood caucus that's bipartisan both in the house and the senate um and looking at some early childhood education funding and issues that i that i hope based on the recommendations that are coming out from that report, coupled with some of the work that the caucus is doing, that we might see some movement in the long session on that.
0: There's this expectation this year that the General Assembly is going to do something on Medicaid expansion. A couple weeks ago, we heard Chairman Donnie Lambeth over in the House say that, (laughs) yes, something might be done in 2022, but he didn't think it would happen in the short session. He hinted, we could be coming back in the fall, which I find very interesting seeing how we're in an election year. Come back in the fall, and the committee would make a recommendation. We might even see a special session in the fall, the chairman said. What's your thoughts on that, Leader Bell?
3: Well, I think all options are on the table. Right? You know, when you look at how we move forward with access to health care in North Carolina, all <laughs> options need to be on the table. And the committee's really taken a, an approach to, to try to address that. And, and I feel like both sides. It, there's politics involved in, in this, but for the most part, they've put it aside and said, hey, look, look, let's do what's right for North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And um, I hope, hope we get to a good point. And I, I believe that's where the committee wants to get to. I feel like that's where both chambers want to get to. But uh, it, it's going to take some time to, to do right. Also, you know, we have to look and see what the federal government's doing day in and day out because, you know, there has been talk about them – forcing the Medicaid expansion down, or do they not? Or do they put it in some type of an appropriation bill that comes through and what that looks like? And so that's on their radar too. So uh, I don't think it's gonna get solved in a short session. Can we come back for a special session? Probably, mm-hmm. I, I hope not. I hope when we're done with session, we're done with session, but that hasn't been the case in the last 12 years. <laughs> the last yeah. 12 years. Could you see portions of agreed upon provisions put into a spending plan? Absolutely, you saw that happen in this last budget. And, uh, I think that's more of a reality than actually a full-blown expansion conversation,
0: Senator. It's been a priority for your
2: caucus. It has, and you know, I think there's I think there's a pretty decent amount of optimism both with the caucus and with the governor and the governor's office about um, finding some some expansion, but you know, maybe to leader Bill's point, maybe what we uh, what we see ultimately are bits and pieces of Medicaid expansion as opposed to a, a larger scale expansion, which you know, I my my worry is not that we don't see complete expansion, but I think to Leader Bell's point, uh, that's going to get caught up in the politics uh, because we are in an election year. You yeah. want to
3: talk about BLTs again?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: no,
1: because you just like pointed out that we're not cool enough to have a client. No, thank you. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs>
0: So initially, they,
3: they actually came to your door, but didn't realize this was new. <laughs> <friends>. Yeah. <laughs> this is some
0: dumb. Sir, you podcast. can leave now.
3: <laughs> they saw New Politics better. They're like, hey, is, that, is that cool podcast? Have y'all seen New Frames on
0: it? I want to ask you about the primary date. The courts put it at May 17th, session comes in May 18th. That was not your doing, but it is making for some awkwardness. We have some great legislators that are double bunked with friends. I imagine May 18th is going to be maybe an awkward caucus meeting for the Democrats and the Republicans. Senator, you have to corral your caucus over on the Senate side. Leader Bell, you do it over on the House side. Have you thought about this?
2: I've thought a lot about it. (laughs) Um, Look, I I think you know part of the position and being leadership is just checking on folks and seeing how they're doing i mean in a lot of instances you won't find folks in leadership don't chime in or get involved in primaries and you know for me it's for folks that I have a personal friendship or relationship i want to check in with them and hopefully those ongoing conversations may make may 18th a little bit easier to have those conversations but yeah i mean yeah i think the reality is it may not be Fun right, right. If, if you have the, the wrong outcome or the, an outcome where you've got members of your caucus that are ultimately not coming back, I've got confidence that we're all mature adults and we can grapple and deal with um, losses if that's what it, if that's what happens. Mm-hmm. but um, I also realize that uh, coming back to a caucus 24 hours or less than 24 hours after election results is going to be yeah, it's going to be hard on a lot of folks.
3: Primaries are always tough. Um, when you, when, I mean, they're tough even, even when it's a, a member versus a challenger, they're always tough. And you do have some folks that get upset or, or you, you have a strong challenger come in and unseat somebody. And those are always tough conversations. We've dealt with those since I've been in general assembly. It becomes extremely tougher when, when after a redistricting process, you've got two, two sitting members that have served on committees, been good caucus members. Um, just simply because of population shifts, now they're now they're double bunked together, and um, those are going to be tough conversations. There'll be hugs, there'll be you know tears, there'll be um, you know a lot of awkwardness, mm-hmm. kind of like having the discussion we're having right now. It, <laughs> it, it, it's just tough, but um, we'll get through it. I, I will say, what a horrible time to have a primary. <laughs> uh, you know, you look at voter turnout across the state, and you see that a lot of our a lot of citizens are not engaged some people don't even know we're having a primary right now and I encourage them to get out and vote because they get a chance and an opportunity to vote for people that are going to represent their party in the November elections but we have college graduations and proms and it, you know, Easter was later this year a lot of stuff going on this time and, and it just seems that as soon as the weather hits 75 degrees uh, everybody's focused on getting out doing stuff traveling uh, and, and people aren't focused on politics but it's uh, people need to focus on politics right now especially for the next couple weeks and especially on may 17th because it's going to determine who's on the ballot leading up into november which is going to be a pretty big election not just here in our state but here in the country
1: that brings up an interesting point that i would ask both of y'all what is something you think the average citizen if we just pulled someone off the street here does not know that you do at the legislature
2: man you got a lot you got a lot of tough questions (laughs) today
3: i mean i'm waiting for the wand
1: We'll you it. already got that on a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Can't well, double dip here. No, we'll <laughs> add, we'll, we're going to
0: ask you the one question. No, we're not. Yeah, I got, I got, a, I one question. got a one question.
1: No, I have a um, different question because we did it with Perry and Debbie Air. We'll do it with them too.
2: Okay. You know, I'll say I really don't think that most citizens understand the personal relationships that exist across the aisle. Um, and I would say, you know, I I, I don't think that state – politics and what we see in the general assembly has completely been nationalized in the sense of what we have seen in washington dc but you know i think we still try to uphold the degree of civility that exists in raleigh that we don't find in washington and i mean we both have our bases and you know you've got to have those conversations that we're trying to fight the good fight based on our respective parties but i wish <laughs> i wish if an average citizen were walking down the street they could understand the relationships and friendships that we have across the aisle
3: i'll take an issue people don't understand is, is that they don't understand that we have a session and non-session and that we actually go home um they they kind of resemble us to the way washington works where the, the congressmen and the u.s senators are full-time and they're yep. there all the time and and of course when you go into city government a lot of the folks on the on the city council um or they're day in day out uh, same thing on the county commissions but here we actually come into our business and, and try to go home within a length of time and people don't understand when you say hey can you can you run a bill to get this done or can you do this I'm like we're not in session like what do you mean we yeah. don't go back until May the 18th they're like but you can't handle this now and mm. and so our, our, our work structure is a little different than most everybody else in elected office
1: back to Senator Chodery's point about civility you know that is our goal of the podcast here and I will say this is our first bicameral podcast, so <laughs> wow, high that five. was a there high five, high five that y'all just heard. <laughs> what I would ask each of you is, Senator, what is something that you like and respect about Representative Bell?
2: You make me say that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, I will say to a person if you talk to folks in the House or Senate, I mean, I think that Leader Bell commands a lot of respect, and I think it's a Combination, of the fact that I think that he's got a reputation of being true to his word. I think he's got a reputation as being a leader. And look, I've witnessed it up close and personal with uh, Leader Reeves, who was the head of the uh, you know House Democrats. Who I you know I think has got a lot of respect for Leader Bell. And look, I mean, it goes back to my earlier point. I don't think ultimately you can have a functioning legislature that gets things done and still tries to keep us together when it gets really bad you know i mean but that can only be done if you got the right folks in leadership and i you know and I, and I think that leader bill deserves a lot of credit for that
3: thank you mm-hmm. senator chuddery does an outstanding job not only representing his community
1: you didn't even let me ask you the question <laughs> because you already asked <laughs> about you <laughs> well i knew it was coming <laughs> okay okay go ahead <laughs> this is your podcast i guess <laughs> 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 the Senator
3: Charlie does a good job of of not only having respect in, in his caucus, but also on both sides of the aisle in his caucus, but also with our caucus and, and in our chamber. And, you know, he, he, he's a nice guy. He's a cool guy. He's somebody you actually want to sit down and you know, grab a drink with, or have lunch with, or have discussions with. And, and you can you can have different points of view and be from different positions, but as long as you shoot those straight and say, hey, let's agree to disagree and move on to the next subject, um, that, that, that's actually a way 95% of things get done there in Raleigh. You get a witness that day in and day out. The general public doesn't witness that. Uh, I know that, that, that he's very well respected by a lot of my friends that serve in the Senate, and he's somebody that you can actually talk to and have conversations with know at the end of the day that you are going to try to find a way to get something done rather than just an automatic no. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why he's in the position. He's in his caucus and very well respected.
0: Well, House Republican Leader John Bell, Senate Democratic Whip Jay Chodery, we appreciate everything that you do for your districts, everything you do for the state, everything you're doing in the General Assembly. Both of you know how to do politics better. Thank you for being on the podcast today.
2: Thank you. Well, let's get a BLT together.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The Do Politics Better podcast is sponsored by the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Beer and wine distributors in North Carolina are family-owned companies that directly employ more than 5,600 men and women across the state. The North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association works with the General Assembly to develop alcohol policies that ensure fairness in a competitive marketplace and promote responsible behavior. Visit the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association at ncbeerwine.com for more information.
0: Another great conversation with senator Chaudhary and leader bell sky i think senator Chaudhary nailed it when you asked the question what is something people don't realize about the general assembly and legislators and he talked about how much they get along you could tell that these two really do think a lot of each other They chase each other around the building, but at the end of the day, these two gentlemen certainly do have some mutual respect and appreciate them putting that on display in the podcast conversation and helping us preview session. So before we get to Tweet of the Week, we came out of that podcast interview With an ad up for one of our sponsors, the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. I talked to Tim Kent this week. He's the executive director of the Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. He told me that the growler is coming back May 24th.
1: That's a big deal. Everyone knows it is the event of session.
0: It's a great event for several reasons. One, it feels like everyone's there. Tim and his staff invites everyone. So it's just a fun event to, to gather over at their office off Person Street. They have beer and non-alcoholic drinks that are put on display and because wine. and wine as well. And wine. Beer and wine. And it's great food as well. The event, like a lot of events, had been on ice during COVID. So it is back and we are looking forward to being there. And come see us, come talk to us. We'll see you at the Growler May twenty-fourth. That is a Tuesday evening. You cannot miss it. Tweet, Tweet of, of the week.
1: week. This week's Tweet of the Week comes from Dr. Michael Bitzer. He's at Bowtie Politics on Twitter. Everyone in NC Poll follows him. So this week there was a pretty long Washington Post article about Madison Cawthorn. And one of the quotes out of that he tweeted, Cawthorn for NC text. And this is a text to Tom Tillis. Why is your wife attacking me on Twitter? Tom Tillis, just spitballing here, but maybe because you've attacked her husband Cawthorn, I don't feel like I've attacked you that much, Cawthorn replied. (laughs) Again, I think I said this last week, but if you come for Tom Tillis, you best not miss.
0: That's true. That's true. And Susan Tillis, very active on Twitter, a fun follow. I tweeted this week, and I truly believe this. I think Susan Tillis would make a great statewide candidate. wonder if that's in her future
1: put it out into the ether, Brian Lewis.
0: All right. I'm putting it out there. Susan Tillis for U.S. Senate. We had a listener who was actually quoted in that Washington Post article.
1: Yes. Carlton Huffman. He's a Republican operative. He was quoted in that. And I think he's worked with Tillis in the past and maybe is currently working with Tillis as well.
0: Yeah. Carlton is from Granite Falls, North Carolina. He was on the staff of Speaker Tillis, And now he's very active in the Chuck Edwards campaign, but he is a weekly listener. It's great seeing him quoted in this Washington Post article.
1: Coming up this Tuesday is primary day.
0: And we're opening up our office on Tuesday night to have an election
1: watch party. Yes, it's open to everyone. Come over, bring your favorite alcohol mm-hmm. we have some but we will probably need more so bring whatever you'd like to drink and we'll watch the results roll in and just mingle around
0: if it gets a little too crowded we can just go down to the Davy, which is a few doors down here on south blunt street we know a lot of folks are going to the fundraisers tuesday night but those fundraisers are scheduled to wrap up at 7 30 so we're the after party we're the after party and you know stop by stay a while it's up to you but we'll be going through all of the election results and i think we'll have a lot to talk about tuesday night so this weekend you have a guest visiting you from out of town you guys got plans
1: we didn't have like solid plans, we're just gonna go to dinner. My best friend from law school is gonna come stay the weekend with me. She's pregnant with her second child, so a little getaway time for her before she has her second baby.
0: All right, well that sounds fun.
1: I'm looking forward to quality time with her.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you have fun. It's the weekend before the election, man. And then Wednesday, we are in session, technically.
1: As always. It helps us the most if you can take the time to like, rate, review us. It helps other people find our podcast and we appreciate you listening and interacting with us on social media or however you talk to us about the podcast. We really love hearing from y'all. Remember as results start rolling in on Tuesday and some people win and some people lose, when you're talking about people or talking about campaigns, please remember to do politics better.
0: Are you pulling your tongue?
1: (laughs) I need something uh, good. (laughs) You come during